Hello, everybody. Welcome to Grip Lock Foundation Disc Golf's weekly podcast. I am Zach, and this is Hunter. And today, um, we're going to be talking about are players actually getting better, or is the rating system flawed? Um, and then after that, we're going to be doing a new segment. Um, so I'm excited about that. But do you want to go ahead and do two off the tee and then tell them what it is? Yeah, so two off the tee, if you're new here, is how we start off every single podcast. Basically, we get one question from you guys, either on Instagram, Reddit, or... Uh, yeah, that's pretty much the only two that's places. It. <laughs> uh, and then the second question comes from the live chat. So while I'm answering this first one and we're discussing that, go ahead and start firing away. So the first question came from at Evan Scott 89394. He said, what was the most fun face-off you did in 2019? Oh, wow. I'm going to let you answer that one first. Because even though I prepared this, I didn't think of my answer. <laughs> maybe one of the uh, the all-sport battles, maybe? See, those weren't fun for me. I had all the... Well, all the sucked. Yeah, I sucked. That's valid. To me, fun. I was thinking one of the Ripped Revenge. Those are fun, too. I, I mean, that's like a bunch of the challenges maybe we the one, did. But the one with, okay, maybe the one with Adam, Jeff, Haley, Paul. Paul. Wow, I almost it, forgot yeah. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a really fun one. Maybe that, because like just being with everyone else, just that atmosphere, that, that was fun. And yeah. then screwing up Jeff, that one, with that one card. Was, that's true. That was funny. And uh, when Adam forgot how, to, how that one card worked. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you haven't watched that one, you definitely got to go check that uh, that challenge out. Yeah. That's no, a fun wasn't one. that Jeff that didn't realize what it? No, it was Adam. Uh, didn't realize it continuously applied. The talking thing. Yeah. Oh, I thought okay. Paul fooled Jeff the first time, and yes. then Adam thought that it w- didn't continuously okay. apply. Okay. Yeah, that was a great, great video. Lots of fun. <laughs> Jeff said he's still salty. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. All right. So, uh, is there a second off the tee? Um. The hmm. Let's see. Any second questions? Anybody, I saw a few anybody? questions it looked like coming through, but mm. when do you guys get to work with Brody? We'll talk about that later, right? Uh, yeah. How do you stay focused on camera? Um, I, it's a lot easier to stay focused on camera than it is on the disc golf course. This for is me. True. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's just you get used to being in front of a camera after you do it for a while. Yeah. It, it too bad you guys don't see like the outros and intros how many we actually take because it takes me a long time to get those things going i uh i mess up all the time it's pretty bad yeah we, we both do we'll, we'll have like we take turns sometimes he's having his on day and sometimes it's my on day but yeah. it's never both of our on all right days. we're gonna answer this question because it we get it all the time cool how do you guys sucker Paul into coming into videos? So it was our Make-A-Wish from... No. Uh, uh, no, he's <laughs> literally like our best friend. And it's just like, hey, you want to go shoot a video? Sure, I'll be there in 10 minutes. Awesome. We don't sucker him yeah. into doing anything. We've been friends with him for like three or four years now. Uh, it all started with Lives college like disc 20 golf. 20 minutes down the block. So, And yeah, cool. All right. So I think this is it. Yeah, Folks, let's do this. This official. We are about to bring in our um, new segment called Jeff's Corner. Uh, with Jeff Corns, our good friend. Yeah. Now newly uh, team Discraft. Let's uh, have Hunter go ahead and switch this over. Let's go ahead and cue him in. Now this is new, uh, so it might be a little delayed, but we are now live in Jeff's corner. How's it going, Jeff? Pretty good, guys. How are you? Doing good. good doing good. All right. So I did you just say it might be a little delayed? Yeah, I did. Um, this is like the first time we're testing Skyping someone in. Um, and no, we it's not. You did it today. Oh, yeah. No, I tested it today, but this is the first <laughs> time live. Uh, so there could be some kinks to work out. But basically, our idea combined with Jeff for this segment was t- to kind of combine the college disc golf and off-season news yep. into one thing called Jeff's Corner. Yeah. If you guys 
don't understand his last name is Corns. Yeah, so that's why this yep. kid get that. I don't, I don't suck at spelling. Okay, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, the graphic just came up on my screen because I've got it on. Like I've got you guys on Skype and I've got the YouTube pulled up and it looks good. good. Awesome, glad. All right, yeah. so let's get it going. First of all, how you doing? Because we haven't really talked I'm, to you much this year after you uh, made your change. So, yeah, I'm doing great. I'm loving everything that I'm doing right now. I'm just like I feel super busy right now because. I leave for tour, I think, in like about 10 days or so. It's wow. almost February. Like I leave February 10th, heading down to the Wintertime Open. Uh, that's going to be the first event that I'm going to be at. I'll have uh, – so in my RV, I have the same RV that I did last year. That's one of – that's my RV. Mm-hmm. Um, so me, Adam Hammes, and Chandler Fry will cool. be the core group kind of touring in that RV all year. Nice. We might bring in some other players from now, like time and time again. But we're going to have – I think we're going to have a really good time, and I'm super excited to just hit the road and start – doing stuff it feels like i've been sitting in my office just prepping everything for tour for like i don't know forever i just yeah. i want to get on the road now i'm getting getting that feeling now yep is it uh discraft wrapped yet it is not i'm dropping it off uh friday to okay, get cool. start the wrap but i saw the wrap and it looks so cool okay good awesome yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome it's gonna be fun eventually to hopefully do this on the road in the rv or something yeah definitely <laughs> and yeah, even hang out with other some maybe some pros and stuff. Have them come by every once in a while too. So yeah, definitely, Sweet. it's fine with me. Yeah. So okay, you you mentioned Adam Ham is touring with you. Uh, yes. Why don't we go ahead since this is an off season news thing, and let's just talk about this dude's start to the year. Yeah, go ahead. Let's hear it. Yeah, absolutely. So this past weekend, the Maricopa Open uh, down in Arizona, the second kind of bigger tour event of the year. The main tour hasn't really kicked off, but some a bigger tournament with some big names. Adam Hammes just lighting it up. I think he shot 1084 his first round. He shot like 21 down on 27 holes. Wow. And just, I think he was clear of the field by like nine strokes after one round or something. Like, Jeez. Wow. insane. So he, he won after one round. <laughs> yeah. You said, um, I talked to him after the event too. And I was like, so how'd you feel? Like, what was it like? Is it was it like a Paul McBeth victory lap kind of round where you're just in cruise control? He's like, yeah, I felt like I was just relaxed, didn't have to do anything, and I mean, he cruised. He said, and he played 10:30 golf, which is above yeah. his rating. So if he feels like he's on cruise control, playing above his rating, like, yikes, he's gonna be like, he's getting really good. Yeah, yeah, that's that's scary for the rest of the field. Yeah, because we saw him, you know, finishing out the year last year, and we were like, wow, you know, Hamas has stepped it up at the end of the year, and then now he's we're opening, and we're like. Hamas is still good. Like nothing <laughs> yeah. happened. He's still no, really like, good. Na- the national tour finale last year was yeah. not a fluke. Like this no. guy's actually going to be exactly. like really good this year. So, so it's cool to see. Yeah. Uh, while we're on this topic, um, is he, and I think m- my answer for this is yes, but is he your pick currently for Memorial? Oh, that's tough. Like, and that's hard also because I'm like, I'm, it's my tour partner now. Yeah. yeah. And I always like, always it's tough when people ask you like, how do you think your tour partner is going to do Yeah. I think he's, I definitely have him like a pretty solid lock for a top five pick. Like his, one of his, like he even said before, I suck at throwing off the tee, but like you put me on the green and I'm going to make every putt. And I think him spending the off season in Arizona really just tuned everything up. He's got a lot of throwing reps in. He's been playing the courses too constantly. Right. And I think he's going to definitely be a contender at the Memorial for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd say I put him in top three. Um, you know, obviously we still not. I mean, we know, but we don't know if Paul's going to be back yet, you know, for the tournament. So you can't say, oh, it's obviously Paul's going to win. Well, even even if he's back, you know, he he's been a month been out. Yeah. yeah. Who uh, knows? Of no practice. Yeah, so. I think some of my concerns and questions are like, for one, is Paul going to be healthy, which is a big factor. 
And then two, obviously, is Eagle going to be to his full capacity that he was last year as the defending champ of the Memorial? We haven't like, seen that, Ricky Those play. are his courses. Like, right, exactly. If he can play, those are his, like, Eagle's courses. It's going to be hard for anybody to beat him on those courses, but we'll see how he comes back. I've been talking to him a little bit, and he says he's feeling good, but hopefully it translates well back onto the course and he hasn't doesn't come out and feel like he's missing a beat. Yeah, and then last thing about, you know, this the Memorial, we haven't seen – um. I just said his name. Ricky. Ricky. We haven't seen Ricky play, really. Yeah. You know, because he got sick, and then maybe he played one tournament at the end. I can't remember. And then now, you know, he hasn't played any of the opening tournaments, you know, that have started this season. So that's going to be interesting, too. I feel like this, the Memorial might be like a weird top five. It like, could be. Like, just who knows? Yeah. I'm, it's kind of I'm in with the air. you on that, for sure. Yeah. And then also for the Memorial, I don't know if you guys have looked at registration. There's a lot of European players coming over for, like, Vegas and Memorial. So, like... You know, we could see like Yale back on top of the memorial if his yeah. game's on. Like a lot of those guys, like that we haven't seen play in a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's so. that's exciting. Watching the Europeans play is exciting. Yeah. Oh, they're so cool. Yeah. It's such a different game too, so it's always entertaining to watch. But yeah, I guess like wrapping up Maricopa Meadows, like we saw Adam just cruise. Um, top fours rounded out with Clint Calvin, Cameron Messerschmidt, Austin Hannum. So some recognizable names you see up on top, yep. just cruising at that tournament in the women's division, Katrina Allen taking it down by six over Jennifer Allen and then Callie McMoran, uh, nine strokes behind that, I believe. Yeah. Nine strokes behind that. So kind of what you would expect, I think in both divisions, the guys, the players that look like they're at the top of their fields kind of just cruise to their, their wins. Right. Uh, one question, um, what's the, cause Yuli lives in this area. Do we have any status update as of late as when Yuli's going to be back or is he going to be back? Yes. I, so from what I've heard, I talked to Bob, uh, Discraft's team manager about it the other day. Cause I wanted to meet with Yuli and do some prep stuff for some of the events and stuff that Discraft runs. And he said, uh, Yuli's planning on getting back on tour, just like how he was before cool. back to kind of his normal schedule. Um, I've been following him a little bit. He has, uh, he's played like four or five tournaments between oh, really? the end of like last year and this year, I think won quite a few of them and he's playing close to his rating right now. So wow. good for him. That's so, great. yeah, I think he's going to bounce back pretty strong, but it'll be great to see him back throwing it like big tour events. Yeah, yeah for sure. That's exciting. I, I, to be honest with you, like I just hadn't heard his name. And as soon as we started talking about Arizona, I was like, what happened to Yuli? Like yeah. he, ever yeah. since that injury, I just kind of forgot. It sounds bad, but just kind of forgot he existed as a player because he just yeah. wasn't on tour and just kind of fell off the face of the earth, it felt like. So definitely exciting to have him back. Yeah, definitely. What else you got for us, Jeff? Um, that's all I got for tournament recaps. That was kind of the only major thing uh, tournament-wise, at least with tour players going on. Uh, but upcoming this weekend, we got a little bit of exciting golf. Um, a lot. Well, I guess the biggest tour event and the only A tour that's happening this weekend is over in Thailand. Oh yes, uh, yes. Which I love watching the coverage of that tournament. Have you guys too. ever watched the coverage? Yeah, I it's, did. It is yeah. like hole one where they're like on a beach, like you're teeing off <laughs> yep. down a beach. The, you got the ocean on the right, like palm trees on the left, and they're just like throwing this hyzer over the ocean. Yep. And uh, Terry even talks about in the commentary, he's like, yeah, depending on when you tee off during the day, if the tide's high, your OB is way farther in the yep. fairway than if it's low tide <laughs> of the day. And it just looks like such a fun time. So there's guys like Nate Perkins, James Conrad, Philo Brathwaite, Weston Isaacs, I think are the big U.S. players that are over there on the men's side. And then Paige Pierce, Sarah Hokum, and Brianna Ainsley over there on the FPO side, but I always love watching that tournament just because it's like 
you're like in a tropical paradise in yeah. the middle of January for a tournament. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's so I'm sick. excited for that coverage. I I watched last year's just not too long ago, just a few months ago, and it, it's great to watch. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I think that's all really we got for tournament news. Yeah. Um, do you guys have any college tournament news? I didn't couldn't yeah. find if there's any college events. So the uh, only uh, there's upcoming, right? Yeah, the only thing is the upcoming NC State tournament, as far as I know, which is this well, upcoming classic. Yep. Yep. This is. You guys know who's com- who's competing besides NC State? I know Liberty sending at least one team. Clemson's coming. Um, in NC State, those are the only three I know of confirmed. Um, I'll have to look at registration. Um. But as far as I know, I know those three will be there. And, I mean, to me, this is NC State's tournament. It's not easy. I don't really think it's going to be much of a competition. Have you been keeping up with NC State much this year? Oh, they're so good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, watched them, I watched them play last year because I wasn't playing at Collegiate Nationals last year. So I like watched the final round with Ferris State and NC State. And I was like, these guys are all super good. And then I talked to one of their players, and they're like, yeah, we're basically all coming back next year. I was like, yep, yep. well, these <laughs> unless Ferris State figures out how to get all their players back, like yeah. they're going to probably be the contender. Well, I have been looking at the like men's updated rankings, and Sam uh... – Merdeza. Sam Merdeza. Yeah. Yeah, Merdeza. I thought he was gone. I thought he graduated. <laughs> I thought he was too. He keeps I being I swear I've been there. competing against him since my freshman year, like six years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the dude's super cool. I'm sure if I messaged him, uh, I could find out if like he's actually still playing. I think I talked to him at the Dean's Cup, and he said he was graduating in December yeah. and was not coming to nationals. Um, but okay. he's on all of the national rankings. And so I, I don't know why they would put him there if he's not going to show I up think their rankings but... are just like from uh tournament results okay. because like there's nobody like because i saw one of their top 25 men's list and they don't have any of the players from like oregon and i know that we have like some guys in oregon that like i feel deserve to make that list yeah okay. so, so well, like <laughs> i was gonna say so do you have a pick yet for you know who's taking down nationals oh man it's hard to say so like nc state obviously i think you got to say is your favorite I know a little bit about what Oregon has to offer. A lot of their players are like grad students, so they have some really good players. Like they could have like 2,000 rated players on their team, okay. plus some other guys in the 950s to 970s, wow. if they like can bring everybody. But right. there's like some guys that are working on like one of the their who would be their best player. Um, he's currently in a grad school. He has a teaching job uh, outside of college. So yeah. for him to get time off, it's just got to be kind of lucky for him. So hopefully he comes because um, he's 1,007. At one point, he was like 1,012 last year. He's really good. Yeah. So, okay, but, uh, this is completely off topic from anything like recent news. But speak a little bit to fundraising to get to nationals as a team from Oregon, you have experience with it. Sure. How hard is it? Do you have like school support? Because like for us, you know, we just got to drive six hours South and get a hotel room. But for y'all, yeah. it's a, a whole big thing. It's you a six out. hour plane flight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so how, how did that all work out? Yeah. So, um, basically like we had some really smart, like people that came before us that like let like just laid out this like they made us like a club we have like a club constitution we have like a written guide that basically says here's how you basically send however many people to nationals that you want to and that basically that how many people we kind of get on an idea of how many we're going to send basically depends on how much of the fundraising we're going to do but our our two main things are we run a winter series of events unsanctioned winter series 
um, where the amateur side is being scripted out in University of Oregon club discs. I thought I had one on my desk, but I don't. But <laughs> we got these like ducks discs with the ducks on them. I think there's one on my wall behind me. Um, but that's basically one of their biggest ways they fundraise. So they do between six to ten events a year. Wow. Um, and we get, depending on the turnout of event, between fifty to like seventy-five people coming out to those wow. events. So it's super awesome. And we're like also the club is always super thankful to like the local community that they just want to come out and play these events and be a part of it. So um, that's one thing. And then our other, like our super big fundraiser that we have is, uh, we call it the duck chuck because we're the Oregon ducks. Uh, we set up a temporary course on our campus mm. and, um, must be we get like, yeah. I think last year we got like 150 plus players to come out and play our, like an urban, play the duck chuck. What's that? It's like an urban course, like through your campus. Yeah. Basically all through our campus. Jeez. That's awesome. Um, now, we've dreamed of this. Like we've talked about <laughs> it all the time. Dude, it's, I know it's so cool. Yeah. Like, it's always fun because we always change the course up every year. So like walking through campus and you're like, yeah. dude, if we could throw off of this like balcony on top yeah. of this building onto that grass over there, like that would be super cool. Yeah. Or just like we make crazy holes and it's a bunch of fun. We always do like funny stamps and stuff that have to do with the Oregon Ducks. So that's cool. Like, yeah, it's super fun. But it like fundraising is key. Um, being able to work with disc manufacturers like we've right. the clubs worked with Innova, Discmania, Discraft throughout the years just to kind of like get discs uh, with our club stamp on them. Like people love the school logo locally. Um, it's kind of a cool college thing. I know that like Clemson has a lot of their own stamp discs as well. Uh, you guys did some custom discs. I remember Paul had like an AVR X3 with <laughs> back in the day. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's just grinding and fundraising. So like if we have to send like my freshman year, we sent 15 people to nationals, which means we ran 10 winter series events. We ran, um, Jeez, we ran the duck chuck. We ran like another event, and I mean, our cost per player is almost a thousand bucks a player to send yeah, a player to nationals. Ridiculous. So the more that we can grind, the better. We also do get some school support, but on our own, I think out of all the clubs, because like there's a lot of clubs out there that have crazy expenses. Like I know lacrosse was always one that was crazy, um, but we do enough fundraising that we pay for about eighty-five percent of our, um, like, our travel and everything yeah. involved. Wow. Most of the other stuff just comes from like we have like certain bodies of our school government that cover like a certain percentage of our plane tickets or something like that. So there's like some stuff, but it's a grind. Yeah, definitely. But it's all worth it. Yeah, it seems like I mean, I'm kind of shocked that you said you have it like all laid out. Have you ever or do you know of um, if like Baker's ever reached out to get a copy of that document they could give to like California schools or other Not schools to kind that, of mimic? But so the, the player I mentioned from our team that's really talented in grad school, um, he's worked with Baker a lot recently, actually, to kind of, oh, um, at least with our the current format of the Oregon Collegiate League, because if, it's one of the things that kind of gets passed by by college disc golf. But Oregon schools meet once a month, if not sometimes two times a month at different courses all throughout Oregon and play each other in collegiate matches. Um, so like that doesn't get caught on PDGA no. rank, like PDGA or rankings or anything, but like Oregon and all of its teams have uh-huh. probably played each other. I think five times already this year. Jeez. What? So what? Yeah. Uh, see, that's one, one of the biggest like bones to pick with college disc golf that I've always felt is it's so Southeast heavy. Oh, like if well, you're in the yes. Southeast, you <laughs> yeah, know, absolutely. you get coverage, your nationals is there, you know, all the teams in this area. But for instance, like I just found out about that, uh, Midwest uh, has a league. I forget what it's called now, but they have like an ongoing league and like a conference. And I just found out about it like last year and it's been going on for like four or five years. Yeah. It's like a big deal in the Midwest. 
but there's no coverage on it. And then I literally just now found about this Oregon yeah. thing. And we've been covering college disc golf for a year, and yeah. we've never heard of it. Yep. When we pull from every resource we possibly can, uh, that's crazy to me. I think this, uh, to me, it the more I learn about it, the more I am a supporter of a rotating nationals where it goes east coast, oh, midwest, so west coast, and just keeps rotating so that everyone, you know, if you, if you're in school four years, you're gonna get you know, at least one, maybe two nationals close to you. Yeah, I agree with that. And also it is, it is very cool to travel to different places because you guys yeah. do travel for tournaments. Oregon would always travel to nationals and they used to uh, go down to Monterey, California for the West coast collegiate open. And that was basically it. Yeah. Besides that, it's like, we, we have a regular collegiate meetings with uh like, I think at one point in time we had eight schools in Oregon competing in the league on a pretty regular basis. Um, but it's unsanctioned. They play just a one day thing, meet up in the morning. They play singles. Uh, they take their top four players of the day. So we don't even set our A team or our B team or anything. Just whoever comes out plays good golf. Like, you know, so there's no pressure. Um, we play, take your top four players. Uh, you take, I think we do the top three scores from singles. And then we play the team doubles format in the afternoon and then combine it. And we have a, a match winner. Um, but what's cool because we like doing that as well with just the top three scores from singles. So if some schools like we have a local community college, that's like, you know, them fielding four people is very infrequent. So being able to still have them come out and like field a score is still really nice. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Sticking on the, the college disc golf topic. Um, we talked about this a little bit earlier when we were testing things, but we recently yeah. saw Milligan University announce A, Tim Barr is named as the disc golf director, and B, they have some form of a, a scholarship. Were you able to find some more information on that? I didn't get too much more information. I was looking through Tim's post to see if there was any more like info in the comments or anything. Uh, I was going to reach out to Tim, but I figured he might not respond in time today, but um got like a message queued up to send to him i want to find out more about it but i mean i think that's just super cool in general like a yeah. school dedicating a director of disc golf like he said yeah. my new position is the director of disc golf which like that's like serious in one thing yeah. like really legitimizing their sport and then two saying hey we're going to give an eight thousand dollar a year scholarship yeah. so students could have thirty two thousand dollars of their tuition paid for from disc golf yeah what it's crazy. This is the first time I'm hearing that, about this. That is that is huge. Eight thousand a person? It's, yeah, one person. Eight thousand a year. How many people? Do they, we don't know anything. Like how many people do they pick or nothing like that? I didn't see anything about that. Okay. It, it was interesting because the way he phrased, I was confused. I was hoping there'd be like a really straightforward answer, but he basically said that um, an eight thousand dollar a year scholarship, and then he said students like students could have like eight thousand dollars like to pay up to thirty two thousand dollars of like tuition so i don't know if this is going to be multiple things if it's like just one student is going to get this disc golf scholarship (laughs) man imagine if it's just imagine this it's one person i i'm coming into the season i'm i'm killing it and then all of a sudden i start to suck and hunter's like much better than me and this guy's much better than me and i'm like the fifth person and i'm the (laughs) one that's got the scholarship like that would suck everyone would hate me uh, I'm interested Which, to see how this plays out if because I've never Milligan's never fielded a team at nationals or anything. I've never heard of them before. Yeah. No, Milligan College, they're like out of Tennessee. They're gonna be like I think based on his post, they're gonna become Milligan University next year. Okay. Uh but they're a private uh school in I can't remember somewhere in Tennessee. Okay. Um so they're close to nationals already, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> easier to easier to get there and yeah. I was we'll a little see. bit. We'll yeah. see if anybody goes there just because of that. Yeah, I, mean, I was kind of shocked to see. Like, I I would expect it to come more from like a school like 
Ferris State, which we've seen them have They're, some form of have, uh, yeah. a scholarship before, but it wasn't but like, direct Yeah, they have the a school, club yeah. sports scholarship yeah. or right. something. It's um, general to all their club sports. Okay. But to see it from a university that we've like never heard of that doesn't already have a proven and established program, yeah. it kind of took took me by surprise. Yeah, that's like some big time like Division One recruiting. They're just like, yeah. "Hey, we don't have a team, but we want one, and we're gonna pay you a lot of money to come <laughs> yeah. here and play disc golf seriously. for us." Which, like, for some kids, that's a dream. Some touring yeah. pros don't even make eight thousand dollars in a year. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Maybe some people are gonna go back to college. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. that's what uh, I think. That's what Tim was saying in his post. He's like, "If you've got college eligibility and like one in education, hit yeah. me up. Like, this is available to you." <laughs> Could you imagine? We, yeah. We've got like Grady Shoe going to. <laughs> play there next he, year he played at unc charlotte well i'm just saying that was just a, a young person i thought of but yeah all right yeah, um, oh, that's super epic though yeah yeah insane all right so i know that there is some other news that you wanted to tell us um i think the jordan castro news yeah we got some cool player off-season news a couple more sponsorship announcements came out this past week uh like you mentioned jordan castro is one of them uh, he gave me a little bit of insight today on his deal and uh, parting with uh, MV or sorry, parting with Dynamic Discs. Um, he said that because yeah, this is a cool inside scoop. I asked him. I said, Are "You cool with me sharing all this?" He said, "Absolutely." Um, so he was like, you know, expecting to resign a deal with Dynamic Discs. His contract had come up. He contacted them over the off season. Let's start talking about 2020. They basically said uh, we were basically we basically decided to not reoffer you a contract uh, because you we thought it'd be insulting to either offer you the same contract or a lesser one. So I think we just may, have made decisions that we should be parting ways, um, which <laughs> I have never really heard of a company doing that. Like normally, you know, at least you get reoffered at a lower like lower contract. They didn't and, even you know, think he was worth maybe, the low contract. To them. Well, I don't know if they were thought that he was worth the low contract, but they said basically we didn't. We thought it'd be insulting to you to offer you a lower contract because he definitely did improve from his previous year to this year. He took I think top five at the Beaver State Fling, uh, new higher player rating. Like you had a yeah. good year. Isn't yeah. it more so, insulting though just to to, to drop cut, a player? <laughs> yeah. Like I I personally think so because yeah. I've like that's on, just being on like a little bit of a team manager side with previous companies. Like you know you kind of if you get offered a lower contract. It's kind of like the saying, hey, you might need to like kick your butt into gear to like yeah. earn where you've been. You know, we have new people coming in, like people who are more deserving of than what you're just like what you're churning out. So I think even that like I'm surprised to not see of like a, a lesser contract is kind of like normally like a hey, you're on the hot seat. But like you should like expect not things to go your way, yeah, essentially, right. if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. It's kind of weird to not be reoffered. But anyways, he did tell me he's signed a two-year deal with MVP. Two years. He's cool. super stoked to be doing that. Um, he said to look out for a signature series or tour series kind of disc. Cool. He's not sure what the disc is going to be yet. He's still learning discs and whatnot, but yeah. he is excited to have that opportunity as well because that's something that he had at Dynamic and then didn't have the second year. Was that nice? Um, so. I don't know. Hold on. Are you like Weird shaking? No. I don't know. It sounded really <laughs> loud in my ear. No, like I don't <laughs> know. Like, a... are you hitting the microphone? No. Okay. I didn't do it. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Go. It. Stop now. It's all good. It stopped. Um. All right. Yeah. I mean, keep going with the the MVP deal. Uh, I I had read about it previously. I didn't. I don't know if I saw it was two years or not. I didn't. It said multi year. So yeah. Just, so yeah. I, I, I I looked up. I tried to figure it out, and that's why I texted him because I was like, yeah. hey, like if you want to share any details, I'd love to get them and talk about it for a second um and he was totally open about it and wanted to share some things so he's super excited about it 
Um, and I think you might even see some more MVP or some MVP pick up some more really? uh, like tour tour level players awesome. from what I hear. I'm just hearing some rumors. But yeah. um, well, the only person I, I, I know could... that's not picked up right now, unless people leave, Grady Shu does is not signed with anybody. That is true. Um, yeah, I don't think he's he signed with anyone recently. He left Latitude uh, and he made his announcement and then just kind of was empty. So do you know something that we don't that we're not allowed <laughs> no, to know? No, I don't know. Okay, so I like again, I have talked to Grady because he actually hit me up at the end okay. of last season. He was like, "Hey, I'm going to be leaving Latitude. Like, I haven't announced this yet, but uh, I want to go back to throwing discs that I'm comfortable with and okay. what I want to, what I'm used to, what I feel like I played my best at. Yeah. Can you sell me a bunch of your disc mania stuff? And I'm like. Yeah, I don't need that actually. So uh, you know, hit me up. What do you got? And he bought a huge box of Discmania discs okay. from me. And actually, if you like carefully look at what Paige uh, posts on Instagram, like there's a couple shots of like him putting with P2s. He's okay. carrying one of the little Discmania fanatic bags, which are like the starter level bags that Discmania has, which I think is just awesome. But I don't, as far as I know, I don't know if there's any plans on him going back to Discmania or going to a like in of a family company it sounds like that's the discs that he prefers throwing at least from his short experience as like a touring pro but yeah um nothing news wise about where he's going i wonder if we could see him taking a a drew gibson type route of infinite discs or something like that um just to where he could throw whatever he wanted to throw uh and try to be I don't know. I, I, don't I just know. I don't think so. Yeah, but I don't st- know. still get the support of being like a mixed bag player. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's potential possible, but we'll have to wait and see. We'll yeah. see if there's any. There's always action to happen mid year as well too. Like That's stuff happens, true. it comes up. Um, but the other one that kind of happened this past week, player news: uh, Zoe Andike announced that she was leaving her sponsorship at Dynamic Discs. Um, if you don't know Zoe, she's like formerly like t- like touring pro. She toured quite a bit. Um, largely with Dustin Keegan. They're really good friends. They're from Eugene, Oregon, where I live now. Um, but she has stepped away from her sponsorship. She has a nonprofit organization called You Play Disc Golf, mm-hmm. and it is super cool. Her goal is to get disc golf into schools all around the country. Um, so she goes in and teaches at PE classes, brings in discs, baskets, and then makes stuff available for the teachers to buy and continue to teach disc golf classes, but also at the same time instructing the teachers on how to teach disc golf in their classes yeah um and i think it's awesome i've actually like gotten to go in and teach in some schools with her and it is super cool there's we've had kids that are like we want to start a disc golf club like like how do we do that and you know like was one school we found out in oregon they had a teacher that really liked to play disc golf too and he came by like our class and he was like this is really cool like i'm thinking about being a teacher like advocate for like the disc for the disc golf club or whatever if the kids want to start one and You know, we told him like, hey, if you can get something together, contact the University of Oregon Club. We'll come help come out some practices if we can and like try to like do some coaching and stuff. Um, so I think it's awesome. It's really cool to watch like, these young kids like start getting into disc golf. And even when these kids are like throwing flippy little like DX skeeters into baskets <laughs> yeah. from like 70 feet away. Yeah. And some of them throw it in and then like, you know, like that's your first ace you just got in your disc golf class and our little like across the gym te- like disc yeah. golf hole. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. These kids are like freaking out. It's yeah. the cool. It's such a special thing to watch like that happen. And it hooks some kids. It's awesome. Yeah. So she wants to be able to, I think, take that on tour as well. Uh, be able to play some tour events, but also like during the week, go into schools and teach disc golf and okay. all around the country as she's on tour. So That's cool. I think it's really awesome. Um, 
she's given me a little bit of like talk about where she or if she is going to do a partnership or like what she wants to do. She's probably not going to go with the traditional sponsorship because she wants to be able to work with any manufacturer that wants to help her. Um, and that's kind of her main reason why she left DD is to be able to work with Innova, Discraft, Dynamic, yeah. Discmania, still work with Dynamic and Latitude, like whatever whatever works yeah yeah i think that makes a lot so, of sense it does because yeah. then you could just you you get help from five instead of one yeah a little bit that one gives if if five give a little it's a lot more yeah so. absolutely yeah well awesome so, any uh anything else that you had on on your list uh topic yeah wise? i saw i saw one more player news today that awesome. came out um prodigy re-signed uh heather young okay she's young up-and-coming player she's out of tennessee uh she played really well at u.s women's she played like She's like almost 940 rated or something. She's 17 years old. Holy oh, cow. wow. Um, okay. Yeah, she's really good. Lefty, I think, too. Okay. Um, but she has like, they have like a disc golf family. Like, so there's like four or five sisters and they all play disc golf. That's wow. That's um, awesome. So they know, I know they sponsored uh, or re-signed Heather to a two-year deal. Okay. And oh, that cool. was just earlier today. Nice. Sweet. Well, that's cool. Hopefully we uh, start seeing her on tour some. Uh, 17, yeah. still in high school, yeah, uh, so maybe during the summer. I but... think she's homeschooled. Oh, that oh, always helps. Wow. I think there her and go. her whole family is homeschooled, so maybe we'll see like a Heather Young, like a Young family tour, like a tour bus or something. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be pretty playing. cool. That'd be such a fun opportunity to play with all your like sisters and stuff yeah, out on yeah, the road and be. stuff. That'd I was cool. about to say, if I could do that growing up, like, oh yeah, that'd be a dream. Yeah, I guess if you didn't get along with your family, maybe not. But <laughs> I like my brothers and sisters. Yeah. So, well, awesome. Uh, the only other thing uh, we had a question come in um, that I think you would be more equipped to answer than we would. Um, it, I can't see who it came from because my eyes can barely read it, but how does a school get into the college disc golf scene? Huh? Like, so I wish I want to ask more questions. I want to ask <laughs> questions back. Um, I would just take it as like, they don't have a, they don't, 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 don't have a team it. or Stephen anything. Halsey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if a school doesn't have a team, uh, a lot of the teams that are currently active now, I think almost all of them are club sports. Um, I always kind of look at Liberty and Ferris State as some of the more like pushing that boundary of getting into more like a more legit sport to like not like more of a varsity level sport than a club sport. Yeah. Um, so mainly, I mean, if you have like a club sports fair or like just a sport like a club fair, um, if you like disc golf, contact your club like department at your school. Tell them you want to start a disc golf club. A lot of schools just require you to have like a president and a treasurer, someone who makes decisions and someone who handles the club's money um, and start from there. Go out recruiting at tabling events, whether it's like like for University of Oregon, there's a club fair where just all the clubs at Oregon like meet and like our quad people just walk around and like see what the school has to offer. Um, and then we also have a club sports fair as well uh, that's just more geared toward the sports teams. So find out what your school has uh, and just start spreading the message, putting flyers up around campus, yep. like look for young kids at your local disc golf courses around campus. That's how we've done it before. We pick people up and be like, you look like you're college age and you really throw a Frisbee well. Do you go to the University of Oregon? And they're like, I, I do. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a sophomore there. And we're like, you could play disc golf and go to Augusta, Georgia for free. All you got to do is join the disc golf club. And they're like, well, that sounds cool. Yep. And we've hooked some people that way. Yeah. So. Awesome. And then, obviously, after you get there, you get some people go on the College Disc Golf website. That's where you can find just more information about, I yeah. think, like forming the club itself, you know, fundraising, all that good stuff. Um, I think they even have people on board over there for College Disc Golf now that, like, 
helps with fundraising. Not, yeah. They won't give you money, but they'll they'll put you in the right direction. Yeah, I think they're supposed to have yeah, like a, a packet of information or, or something available from what I understand that kind of breaks down what Jeff was just saying and the, the steps to kind of accomplish that. So if it's not on their website, you can contact, uh, I don't know the email, but just go to College of Disc Golf and hit yeah. contact and uh, it'll put you in touch with John Baker or uh, Henry Childress and yeah. they should be able yeah. to answer, answer stuff farther. Um, I know we always did our re- recruiting at the uh, block party yeah. for, for Liberty. We didn't have a club sport fair that i'm aware of but it was just a big block party everyone was there we'd set up a disc golf basket we really picked people putting. off of how good they putted because yeah. that's all we had we didn't have anything else we did it as like a game yeah we'd that's give what away. we would do we get a basket out we'd have some putters like you get a free little oregon mini or yeah, something well, that's and you make a like we just do cool things like that yeah and then you always get the people that are like oh wow disc golf i love yeah. this and then you start talking with them and like oh well sick we'd have a team tryout i put quotations around all of this because like try everybody always made the team yeah i think we've cut no we coach cut, cut people last year. two people i think ever two or three people ever yeah. um which to get to where we were actually cutting people from a disc golf team is ridiculous mm-hmm. but it's crazy you know, to think about yeah yeah liberty just i don't know liberty's program seems to have a lot of players that are that know about the school because of it um mainly because of what paul's done with the the organization and then the way our club set up um or was set up we don't go there anymore was the years you made it to nationals within your club sports, uh, it increased your funding every year. So with a sport like disc golf, where it was really easy to get to nationals, we never missed nationals. And so every year our club's funding would go up a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, allowing us to travel to more tournaments and, you know, be able to stay at nicer hotels. We went to nationals and to the point that, uh, one year we went, we went to Seco, we rented an Airbnb, like, and we each got our own bedroom for champ flight. It was sick. And that's just, club sports funding just kind of increased slowly so uh yeah definitely get in touch with all those people so last yeah. question before you go basically because it's a college question it comes from justin rosak he's a player on our liberty team oh i know justin Is got he, to practice with them earlier this year actually he said who's gonna win this weekend at nc state i know we had answered it already but i'm assuming he wants to hear us say not liberty so then when he they win they're gonna be like well, oh I, okay i don't think you. justin's going this weekend why not I don't. I'm, I'm pretty sure he won't be there. Uh, he can confirm or deny that. But I saw the pairings posted because I'm coach still never kicked the, me out of the chat. Yeah. Uh, so I'm still in the chat. But I What's saw the, the pairings. Pairing? It was uh, Dustin and Pete, and then Steph Curry and um, Spencer. Trevor, what? breaking news, is off the team. He's left the team because he got too busy, and so he's left Pete behind. And um, I was gonna say, and Pete's not far from leaving. Then Pete's fired up. He's no. ready to go. I promise you. He's at every practice, at every tournament. He's he's pumped up, ready for his senior year. So the people. Very oh, Justin says he's Justin says he's not going. I don't know. Uh, That's gonna be okay. Uh, NC State's gonna win by mm, let me say seven. Twenty. Oh, tw- okay. Seven. <laughs> <laughs> what, were you, what were you gonna say? Twenty something. I don't know. How many? I don't even know how many rounds it is. What the format I, is? I don't but, either. Uh, I, I think guess NC State's gonna get the broom out and sweep Liberty back in Virginia. Yeah, <laughs> me, me too. Yeah, without without Justin there, it's gonna be tough, especially with the new the new format of like averaging scores. That's gonna help Liberty a little bit, but not not quite enough, I don't think. Yeah. Well, awesome, Jeff. Thanks so much for coming on. We look forward to having you in this segment. Yeah. Every week. We appreciate it. Yeah. Um, Probably it'll, it might sneak be some of the cool discs I showed oh, you yeah, guys earlier. Oh, yes. Okay, so again, if you're following the tour, if you are going out to tour events, if you see the Discraft RV at any events, there's some cool things. Discraft's always hooking it up with cool things. So I just wanted to sneak some discs that they just sent me today. Um, I've got some Page Pierce Fierces. They sent me some with just like just the P stamp on them. Some with the one of a hundred stamp that aren't signed. We got some cool stuff there. Um, I think this next one might be most, my favorite. The most money discraft discs oh, that have that ever one. been made. <laughs> they sent me some of these forces that actually have little shredded U.S. currency in them. 
done legally. You can actually buy like shredded U.S. currency. Yeah, we talked and that's about what they this. Did. They, made, they made a run of these, and they were just like, we'll see how this turns out. I don't know if they're going to ever do anything with these, but Bob said, he's like, hey, we don't really have a way to distribute like 25 of these or something, whatever yeah. they made. So, uh, Corns, here you go. Have fun. <laughs> and I'm like, hi, people are going to love this stuff. Yeah. And then the big thing, we're, this is going to probably like wait until the memorial. These are ridiculous. maybe wintertime open, but they described had a new hot stamper last year, right when they were stamping those five time crystal lunas and they stamped up the person said, Hey, how's the stamp look? Am I doing a good job? And Bob said, yeah, the stamp looks great, but you stamped those on zones, not <laughs> crystal lunas. So I have a box of almost, I think, I think like 40 of these, maybe close any, to. Do you have any pink? Basically five time zones. Do you have any pink? None of them are pink. They're all like kind of reddish. Uh, <laughs> Zach, Zach was going to buy one. <laughs> oh, I would have bought one right now if it was pink. <laughs> Those are no, sick but, though. Yeah, they, they're hooking it up. So we're going to do cool things. Um, That's awesome. We've got a beat the beast challenge. Oh, it's going to cool. be happening the Monday after the wintertime open. Nice. We're fine. I'm finalizing everything with Paul, cool. but just like the beat the beast challenge that they did at the U S amateur national championships with the brand new Onyx, Uh-oh. we have a brand new disc that we're going to have. Oh, they're releasing the... the beat the beast. Can Can't I say, say the, the name, name yet. I don't know. Okay. I almost <laughs> said it. So. That was real close. <laughs> I don't think so. Bob does. I, like, I haven't put it anywhere and I've been like, Hey Bob, like what can I say? What can I not say? And he's like, hasn't even answered it. Um, but brand new Paul McBeth line disc coming to basically the day after wintertime open. So if you're in the Los Angeles area, you're going to want to come out to Oak Grove. We, we have seen it. See if thrown. you can beat the beast. We've seen it thrown. Yes. And, it and is, I felt it. It's nice. It, it looks, and well, we didn't get to throw it, but it looks yeah. great, feels great, and looked like it flew great. We'll say it that way. Uh, so definitely that's going to be exciting for, uh, I guess, once wintertime opens, we'll yeah. have people giving their thoughts and feedback before we actually get our hands on some to sell. But that's awesome. Also, you had somebody just yeah. say that they'll buy one of those zones in the chat. So... I don't know if you guys want to message each other. They're going for 50 bucks a piece, just so you know. <laughs> yep, exactly. No, I don't uh, know how much they're going for. I'm just kidding. But No, if we go find me on a dollar disc golf auctions or something like that, yeah. or no, we'll go. see. <laughs> All right, Jeff. Well, yeah. thank you. It's been a pleasure, and we'll see you next week because we're going to keep yes. bringing you back. So. Yeah, awesome. All right, see you later. Awesome, guys. Thank Thanks. you. And Jeff is gone. Probably went longer than we're usually going to go oh, with yeah. Jeff. But, but that was our first week with Jeff. Um, that was fantastic. I I love Jeff. Jeff is great. A good thing, too, is this Jeff, is Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. probably <laughs> a shorter week yeah. topic-wise than we normally will have. So it'll probably all balance out, people. No one has commented that we're wearing headphones. Yeah, yeah, which these help a lot. Oh, like, wow. because I can hear myself and I can hear Hunter. You can tell like when we're getting really close or really yeah. far away and you can correct. I don't know how we didn't do this sooner, but this I don't is know either. Great. And like I can I could tell when I'm yelling and when I'm being really quiet yeah. because I can hear everything. Yeah. And if I drop this chapstick, you're going to hear it. Boom. That was so that we was also loud. had our uh We found out that's like an <laughs> instrument, not really, but okay. Anyway, right, we'll yeah. uh, jump we into uh yet again Today's episode is our sponsor <laughs> spot. If, uh, anyways, uh, today's episode is brought to you by FoundationDiscs.com. Foundation Disc Golf is an online retail store that aims to provide you with knowledge and tools to improve your game. The store is growing and expanding their offerings to more and more manufacturers in 2020, as well as aiming to bring better quality content that is both entertaining and helpful. Our end goal is to help you improve your game and grow the sport. Shop the site at FoundationDiscs.com or find us on social media by searching Foundation Disc Golf. Obviously, we sponsored our own podcast. Um, 
<laughs> but if you have a company or know of a company that might be interested in sponsoring future episodes of Grip Locked, have, have them email us at foundationdiscgolf.com. Uh, wow. Foundationdiscgolf at gmail.com. Might be helpful if I have the at. Um, and we can chat it up. We've been talking with a few companies. Uh, so hopefully it won't just be us sponsoring our own podcast mm-hmm. over the next few weeks. But yep. I still wanted to keep advertising that that is available. Definitely. So I'm going to take the first part of this because the first part's kind of why we have this topic. And that's like my opinion part. And then I'll let you kind of jump into some of the stats that prove or disprove yet to be determined uh, our idea here. Right. Um, so the, the topic today is are players actually getting better or is the rating system just flawed? Uh, so basically what why am I thinking here was every year we see more and more thousand rated players being a thousand rated player doesn't seem as special anymore <laughs> as it used to be I like how we're just gonna have Jeff's little picture up there now <laughs> oh, yes. the no one else can see that but we get yeah. to look at Jeff the rest I know. Of the time. All right, go um, ahead. <laughs> uh, we've also seen Paul break records at 1050 1055 1057 1060 there's also like 1051 and 1053 in there somewhere but yeah. anyways we've also seen Ricky in the 1050s as well as Eagle and then Paige on the women's side's broken the record and then broken her own record different times. Um, so to me, this just kind of raised the question, right? Are these players actually getting this much better or is the rating system flawed? And when I say is the rating system flawed, it's because of this. And this is going to be a little bit of a rant. Uh, but listen. I, but yeah, hopefully it'll make sense. I try to make it make sense. Um, so round ratings are based on propagators at tournaments. So basically a propagator is someone with eight rated rounds that's determined their rating, their ratings in bold on the PDGA. They're the players that determine what the round's rated. So round ratings are determined by them. How these players perform and which ones outperform the field determine the player rating for that round. On tour, if you beat the field by a few strokes, you're most likely to be rated 10.50+. plus. These rounds are then averaged and weighted to calculate your new rating that's then used as a factor in future rounds. Therefore, if you're a player like Macbeth that consistently beats the field, your rating will consistently climb. As your rating climbs and the players in contention with you also have their ratings climb, then the round ratings of the field will also see a slight increase, calling all, causing all the ratings to slowly increase, which in turn have round ratings slowly increase. It creates a never-ending circle that in theory, if every player played at the same level day in and day out, then ratings would continue to slowly go up for the same scores. Now, hopefully that made sense. It um, might not have, but it's okay. Okay, hopefully it did. I think it might have. But that's just my theory right and so then uh i broke down into some different research that to be honest with you i'm not certain what point it proves if it proves me right or wrong so we'll have to discuss that and get some uh feedback Feedback. from the chat um let me take the uh memorial start here yeah yeah no you're i'm gonna let you run with that i was just gonna say just that was the opinion that this was based on so don't take what i just said as kind of the facts we're about to present you with the facts to either back up or disprove my theory all right, so um, we used the memorial as a um, a baseline, basically. Um, so we're going back to 2016. We didn't go before 2016 because um, before 2016, memorial only had like 80 players in its field. Yeah, there's a lo- it was a lot smaller, and it kind of like yeah. it fluctuated. But from 2016 up, it was always between 170 and like 183. Right. So okay, so 2016, there was 180 players in the field. With the average rating of that tournament being 974. Those are player ratings. Player, yeah. yeah. Average player rating. 2017, the average rating was uh, 978 with 178 players. In 2018, the average rating was 983 with 182 players. 2019, the average rating was 987 with 183 players. And in 2020, currently, it is 988 with 172 players. Yeah. So let's so we park. see that small 
incline. Yeah, so from 2016 to 2020, the rating jumps 14 points on the field average. Now, I do want to mention this. That's why I pause it really fast because you don't know these numbers are just in my head. But uh, 2015, 14, and so on below were higher. So they were in the 980s. I believe one of them was even 989. But the reason I didn't include it here was like we were just saying, the field was smaller. Much so smaller. The, Over 100 players smaller. Yeah, so if the field's that much smaller, a lot of... The, the top-level players are still there, but a lot of the lower-level players must not have been there. Right. Reasons why, I don't know. Um, I also didn't want to go... Yeah, that was the only reason I didn't want to go too far back for that. Yeah. Um, so, just uh, interesting, in this example, year-over-year, year, about four-point increase until 19-20, to 20, we only saw one-point increase. Right. And then here we have the top 10 player averages. Um, top 10 players in this current year, their average total ratings... Um, 2012, we have 1039 with Schustrick being the highest at 1044. 2013, we have um, 1040 with the highest being Waisaki at 1047. Uh, 2014, we got 1037 with Macbeth at 1046. We have 2015, 1035 with Macbeth at 1053. 20, can't remember where I was at. 16. 16, 1035 at 1051 was Macbeth. We have 2017. 1038 uh, with Macbeth at 1052. What would never 2018 now? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I look up and I lose my spot. 2018, 1039 with Macbeth at 1051. And then 2019, 1042 with Macbeth at 1060. Yeah. So these kind of go up and down. Yeah, they fluctuate. But not, you know, not. Uh, yeah, so there are also not three a lot. on the next page. Oh, um, I forgot. Which that's just, I can just read through those really fast. 2010, 1036, Feldberg, 1042. 2011 was 1037, Lucasio at 1044. And then the only reason there's a third one was I was trying to find Climo in his prime. That doesn't exist because the ratings weren't a thing till 1998, which I right. was not aware of somehow. Yeah. Um, and apparently the, like, this is off topic, but sorry, I just learned this today. The, um... The thing that prevents sandbagging, which is like the the ratings caps, which yeah. sometimes aren't enforced. We've talked about that before. But the ratings caps weren't a thing until 2002, really? which is interesting. So this is a lot more. I mean, we weren't in the game at that point. I was five. Yeah. Um, but that's just more recent than I would have thought. But Climo, the majority of his career, didn't really even have a, a rating. rating. But in 1998, first year, the ratings were a thing. The top 10 averaged 1015, and Climo was 1032 as, as the highest in the world. Yeah. Which Climo at 1032 in 1998 would be three ratings points shy of the top 10 in 2019. So also interesting. That is very there. interesting. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if we look at just these two here, because this is kind of the first point, our ratings in general actually going up. Uh, the second point's a lot harder to prove being round ratings for the same score. Um, and we'll talk about why that's tougher to prove. But if we look at just the Memorial average field, that one's it, it's tough because of the fact that you don't know which players are going to be at the Memorial. The The top four or five are always going to be there, you know, the, the highest rated players because the kickoff for the tour. But once you get to that middle pack, it can get kind of iffy. So, you know, that was a very, like, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, dang, like, I'm right. Yes, yeah. perfect. Because, you know, 974 up to 988. But seeing the top 10 average... Uh, from 2010 to 2019, 2020, you know, only has players that have played this year. So 2019 um, has the true top 10. It's not really anything conclusive, I don't think. I don't think so either. Because you can, you know, you can look at this, the even go to, uh, you know, 2017 to now, right? Yeah. We know Macbeth has gotten better yeah. from 2017. AKA, that's why his rating has gone up. But the question, points. one question I have was 2015 Macbeth versus 
2019 right. Macbeth. Right. You know, his rating in 2015, I believe he did hit. No, I think 1053 might have been as high as a guy. He might have hit 1055 in that year. Um, I can't remember if that was the next year, but 1053 is where he ended. He ended at 1060 this year. Why am I yawning I don't so know. much this is, podcast? Is 2019 well, Macbeth actually essentially a stroke better than 2015 Macbeth? Right. Or is it just because we have so many higher rated players that what we've talked about before, it's just going to be that wheel of that he's just everybody's going to get better. And especially a player like Macbeth that's constantly performing at the top of the field. Right. His rating, in my mind, where, where this all came from is like his rating can't do anything but go up. Right. The only way it doesn't is if he's lower in the field. But if he's at the top of the field and he's the highest rated, his rating, like he could be shooting the same thing and just beating the field. His rating has to go up. There's yeah. no other, he's beating the field. Right. There's no choice. And, you know, we did talk about, I mean, we know Paul's answer on this because we've talked to him about this before, yeah. that he says if you play on tour, your your rating's going to just shoot up, right? Yeah. Because it's not that everyone's getting better. It's not that you just got better. It's, you know, all the propagators and all the numbers is just how it works out. Yeah. We talked about Brody Smith, uh, you know, what what's his, wow, we didn't talk about that. Anyway, <laughs> I can't believe we didn't talk about that news. Um, what was I saying? Brody oh, Smith. yeah. What what his like ratings gonna be when he gets on tour? He Paul said he was gonna be close to thousand rated or even over because he's gonna be playing on tour. Yeah, he's not gonna be playing you know your local C tier, so his ratings are just gonna be a little fluctuated or not fluctuated, a little uh, inflated, inflated, um, just because of playing on tour. Yeah. So we just know, you know. Well, it, also if you like if you went out and played a, a tour event. First off, your round would feel like it's bad because you're yeah. playing with great players. So how it kind of feels is weird. But you'd be shocked at how good your rating was for how bad you feel like you played. Right. Like when I went to Ledgestone, I averaged, at that point I was 950 or 960. I averaged 970 rated golf and I felt horrible all week. I was like, I'm playing what I felt to be low 900s and I was averaging 970. Yeah. Um. I was probably playing a little better than I thought, but I was not playing 970 golf. 970 golf at that time was great for me. Yeah. And that's what I was averaging. But that's just because I was on tour. I was at Lake Eureka where, you know, ratings there are crazy because of all the OB. Same I thing we kind of see at uh, Memorial. But yeah, the thing that to me I kind of got stuck on was not really the average top 10 player rating, which is probably a better fact to go with. I'll give it that. But the highest rated player year over year. Because that we do kind of see a steady increase. Um, the only thing that's kind of tough with it is when we see the steady increase is when Macbeth takes over in 2014 and doesn't give it up. Right. Um, because we see Macbeth, 2014, 1046 rated, 2019, 1060 rated. Previous to him, we did see, you know, Climo 98 was 32. Then Feldberg to Schustrich between 2010 and 2013 just went from 1042 to 1047. So a slight increase, but nothing nothing crazy yeah um so uh, the these numbers here are kind of inconclusive um what, and, so what do you think well i want to i want to read through the next part okay go ahead uh just and this is i'll go ahead and read these stats because yeah, these are very short but so the second thing i was trying to do was find round ratings for the same course uh that were rated right um which on tour i found to be nearly impossible i went with beaver state fling because if you go back to our podcast that we had Paul on a little while ago, he had said that um, that he wasn't playing it this year because not it was boring, but he was kind of bored with it because it was always the same. So I was like, perfect. That's exactly what I need. I need something yeah. that's always the same. So I went with Beaver State Fleeing Milo West course. And um, yeah, I, I just got a, a score that I knew I would see every year, which was a 1058. 
And so in 2019, this was past year. Was it 1058? Sorry, uh, 58. I was about to bad. say. <laughs> <laughs> no, a, a score I would see every year is a 58, which yeah. is three under par. Yeah. I was like, that's a score I know I can see every year. 2019 was rated 1,006. 2018, 1,006. 2017, 1,012. 2016, 1,013. And 2015, 1,009. So, and then I was going to look at, I looked at the Memorial of Fountain Hills and I saw a similar pattern, but then I remembered that when the Pro Tour came in, they changed the course and made it more difficult by a stroke or two. So I kind of just, I didn't put those numbers in here because when you change the course, it kind of throws this side of it out of the window. Someone said we're a little quiet. A little quiet. I can fix that for you. There you go. I don't actually know if that made it much better, but I'll go till I'm hitting the yellow. Wow. Okay, cool. That should be louder. Um, Our headphones are like always at the same level, so it's a little bit weird. Um, It's louder now in my ears. Oh, well, cool. My ears are very not much. Not Wow. I can't speak. My ears might not be very sensitive. Um, Go ahead. So, yeah, basically the to do what I wanted to do as far as the round ratings for the same tournament goes, it's nearly impossible um, because over the decade, even over the last five years, the courses are changing. They're getting harder to try to adjust for players getting better. Um, so that's all the evidence we had, to be honest with you. But if you can think of a tournament, um, that I didn't think of that hasn't made design changes. Everyone said way better. So, wow, that sucks. Um, <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> it doesn't suck now, but we it sucks that I didn't realize that before. Was, yeah. Um, anyways, but if you can think of a tournament while we're live here, that is, um, that has been the same for a consistent period of time, go ahead and comment it, uh, so that we can kind of look it up live. But while we wait to see if any of those come in um do you think that this proves or disproves the rating systems flawed or are players actually just getting this much better i think from what we just saw it's basically inconclusive yeah like it is really hard to choose between you know the players are definitely getting better or the players are definitely uh, or the rating system is definitely flawed yeah um i mean i guess your answer has to be dead in the middle right because literally nothing that we said is like, oh, for sure, the players are obviously getting better. Yeah. Or for sure, the rating system sucks and we need a new one. Yeah. Um, so I, I would say in the middle, I think players are getting better, right? Um, do I think it's maybe more on the rating side? A little bit, just because I don't think the players are actually getting that much better. Yeah. Um, but I w- it's got to be almost an inconclusive argument. Um, I don't know what else you can find or what other evidence there can be to uh, prove or disprove this. Yeah. But it's almost dead in the, almost dead in the middle, but more on the side of the rating system is a little flawed. See, that's where uh, it, I don't have any evidence to really back up my answer because I just gave you all the evidence, but I know the players are getting better. Like I, yeah. I know that, but I just don't like, if I look at 2015 Macbeth versus 2019 Macbeth, and it could just be, that 2015 Macbeth was that much better than the field and the field's gotten better and so Macbeth's gotten better. Well, that's um, that's something that everyone talks about, right? Yeah. Is, <clears throat> excuse me, the field is getting better to Macbeth. Yeah. You keep looking at this off my ear. Yeah. It's loud. <laughs> um, I can turn us down a little bit. This doesn't adjust them. Oh, so it's not as loud to us. Well, that was fantastic. Yeah, I, I didn't, I I didn't know you I didn't know you thought that because that doesn't adjust their volume at all. Okay. Anyways. Yeah. Um, so... What, what was Macbeth's field, like the field's getting better to yeah, Macbeth. I would say like that is true, okay. right? I would say he's getting better, but so is the field. So whatever that proves or disproves, yeah. I can't remember what we were saying. I don't know. Just to me, like when I think of 2015 Macbeth, it's really, really hard to imagine that the Macbeth I watched this year play would beat 2015 Macbeth if we put them both in a tournament. I think it would be close. 
But I don't think that, you know, if we just looked at how he ended the year in 2015 versus, uh, which of course I put that to the very bottom, I would do that. Um, I don't think that Macbeth's actually a full stroke better in 2019 than he was in 2015. Yeah. I, I just, I don't see that being true. And I think that's where, to me, that was the conclusive evidence in my eyes. Um, also because I understand the rating system and I've firsthand experienced it playing in tournaments with big players versus playing in a local CT where I'm the highest rated. Yeah. Um, the ratings are completely different. I, oh, the, my, the best round. Okay. Not the best round. One of the best rounds I've ever played was at a local, uh, C tier. And you know, I, Elk I, Creek? yeah, I could not have shot better period. And it was 1030. It was 1034. Whereas at nationals ratings are a little bit better. I played a great round, uh, and my rating there was like 1040-something. Right. You know, probably a comparable round, but then my highest rating ever was at a B tier that was just, like, stacked. It had a lot of, like, close to 1,000-rated players. I was on the lower end. I was rated 970-something at the time. I was on the lower end of open, and I went out, and I played what felt like a slightly above-average round for me. I would have put it, if I had to put a rating on it, I would have guessed, like, 1,000, and it was, like, 1048 rated. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, that was yeah. what just happened? I almost just shot 1050. Yeah. My mind was blown. And then I started thinking back. And I was like, I didn't do anything special. Yeah. Like, how, how, how did that round just beat my other two rounds? And if I look at it, the only reason is the field. Yeah. And so that's where I know the rating system that, that it has to be at least a little flawed because I've seen it myself. And right. I'm sure other people in the chat can say the same thing. They've played a bigger tournament. Their rounds just happen to magically be rated better, even though they might feel worse well i mean yeah and i haven't played a ton of tournaments in my time but uh you know my highest rating was 996 at a tournament yeah. and that was at a college tournament where there was a lot of players and higher rated than normal tournaments that i used to play yeah and i didn't feel like i shot almost a thousand rated i shot like literally one under par yeah <laughs> like it, it was not like it was a, it was a very rainy day though which yeah the, the weather does affect it slightly but again but it didn't feel like a thousand rated round yeah right i felt like I was just doing what I should do, and I was probably 920 rated at the time. So I didn't feel like, oh, wow, this is, like, great. Because yeah. if, you know, 920 rated player, you're shooting 1,000 rated, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm playing pretty damn good. Eight strokes above what you yeah. would be playing. And I was like, that was pretty average. Like, yeah. you know, I there's no way I'm winning. Like, no way it's going to be 1,000 rated. Come back, and I was like, what? How's that, like, how's that how, possible? How that happened, yeah. So I think it's because I was, you know, I was on the lower end of the ratings, probably. And, you and everyone else was so much higher rated yeah. than me, so... Uh, yeah, so I, I think the, I don't think the evidence proves it, but I think just what I know about the rating system and watching it happen, I know the rating system is slightly flawed in the sense that as Paul plays and as Paul, you know, continues to beat the field, his his rating is going to continue to go up, even if he doesn't continue to get that much better. Yeah. Um, which, which one thing I did want to mention, I just said something about the rain being affected yeah. and I saw someone earlier comment, they thought that that, that was a big play. How the rain affects ratings is the propagators, everyone in the field will shoot worse because of the weather. And so that's how the rain affects ratings is because propagators shoot worse. It's based on the propagators and it's based on some of course history, but not really. Um, and so when the rain makes the field as a whole shoot a little bit worse, then the ratings are adjusted for the weather. So a 49 might be a thousand rated in the sun and a 52 might be a thousand rated in the rain just because the field as a whole is going to shoot three strokes worse. Right. Because I have played tournaments where apparently I was the only person affected by the rain and other players just went off better yeah. than I've ever seen someone play a course and the ratings were just the same as a sunny day. And I'm like, I was that, that affected me by like six strokes and yeah. completely screwed me over. So 
Uh, yeah, we got some some people here. Um, do you we, think the advancements of discs and the science behind new discs plays a big factor in players, in, in if players are getting better? Uh, yes and no. I think it's it, players can throw farther now. Um, but courses back then were also not as hard as they are now. Exactly, courses were shorter, and I think the not only shorter, but like just in everything. Yeah, different. like but go ahead, sorry. Um, which some of the courses, that's not fully true i but uh, yes in general in yes general. if especially if you look at some of the world's courses that they played back in the day yeah but the courses were made to Fit. to the level that yeah. they had at the time um so i think but as far as players getting better uh or like however that works i think the discs have allowed players to realize more that they can do more. Mm-hmm. I think older style players had a lot more control and touch with a backhand. Right. Um, and I think that's what someone said. I think that's something that Paul has in his game. And that's a reason he's so far ahead. A lot of times of the field is he has so much control over the angles of his backhand, almost like an older style player yeah. with the forehand capabilities of a newer age player. Right. That he kind of meshes the old with the new. And that's where we see his dominance. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I don't remember the exact wording of the question, but I think players are getting better, but the technological advancement of disc flights are allowing them to get better. Brandon said, you don't need a sidearm way back when. Now it's tough to be at the top without a well-rounded game, which is true. It's literally what you just said. Yeah. Uh, James Comrade, though, is proof that it can be done. But one of? And who else? One, yeah. No. Literally, that's it. Yeah. Uh, Nico LaCastro, for a long time, did not have a but sidearm. But that was back he then. Would, that wasn't even. It was. I mean, we're talking like 2012, 2013. A lot. Everyone had a forehand, but he, yeah, but that's still eight years ago. Holy cow! That's what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> like that's still a long. That's still eight years ago. Yeah, I just, I just always remember LeCastro like throwing with a left hand before he. Now, recently, we've seen him develop yeah. a forehand, and that's probably a reason we've seen him come back up to yeah. towards the top. But I remember him throwing, electing to throw left hand before he would throw forehand sometimes. Yeah. Okay, wasn't there a rumor that after Macbeth's 11.30 rated round at Memorial that the rating systems got tweaked to prevent such a high rating to ever occur again? I, I I've don't. never heard that rumor. Um, Maybe. I've always yeah. asked Paul, because I, I, I don't think there's any debate that that was not the best round of all time. Um, Paul's 18 under at yeah. the Great Lakes Open was. Um, and you can ask pretty much anyone, especially if you've watched both rounds, which it sucks that the only coverage of the 39 is on Paul's channel, and yeah. it's just like just him throwing. Like I would love to see that the whole I, thing. I want Jomez. I yeah. want Jomez yeah. there back in whatever year that was. But anyways, uh, neither corner there. You can still see it. Um, but Paul, I've asked Paul why that was the highest rated round ever, and he said it's because of the OB. He said there was so much more OB that the separation of the field was so much greater that it had no choice but to be the highest rated round because he beat the field by so many strokes and he beat last place by so many strokes and everyone in between because of the OB. Whereas the Great Lakes Open, there wasn't that much OB. There was still separation, but it just wasn't the same. Uh, right. A stroke didn't count as much because yeah. there wasn't as much separation. So, <laughs> um, uh, Hold on. There's yeah. still more here. I know we're going to over time, but... Oh, no, uh, that's fine. We I just had like two more questions on here. Okay, hold keep on. Keep asking those. Yeah. Um, wait, where was I? You guys need to check out the UDISC article um, about Estonian ratings. Estonian ratings. We need to read that because I don't know. Maybe if there is something in there that we're missing, uh, maybe their their rating systems have to be the same. It would be the same, but maybe it's since disc golf's new over there. Maybe the ratings of systems. I don't know. We'll, we'll we, definitely we look into it. it. Yeah, uh, maybe we'll have a, a segment next week to talk about our findings. Uh, why do they only use a select number of propagator as opposed to comparing scores across the entire field, as they do for strokes gain statistics in golf? Uh, all propagators are used that are playing the same oh, layout. Oh, someone just said that. Literally the next thing. Oh. All propagators are used. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that are playing the same layout. 
Um, so that was another reason I meant to mention this earlier, but I'm glad this was brought up. I didn't include women in this statistic and not because I'm sexist, but because over <laughs> the last, you had to throw that in there. Well, because over the last 10 years, it's actually been a good thing in women disc golf that we've seen them start to get their own tees, yeah. which in, and like, that's also changed how their ratings have happened that have allowed, I believe Paige to have these higher and higher ratings. Yeah. But if I would have tried to compare it across different tournaments and everything, it would have been flawed yeah. because sometimes they're playing the same as the men and therefore they're thrown into the same ratings bracket. Like we just were saying here, they would become propagators with the men. Um, essentially bringing all the ratings down slightly yeah. versus when they play on their own, everyone's rating men and women's go up. And that's something we've seen as a more recent development, even over the last four to five years with the pro tour. Um, so that's why the women weren't really included in all these statistics and, and ratings was simply for that fact. But yeah, all propagators are used that are playing the same layout. So a lot of times you'll see like in a smaller tournament pro and advanced play the same layout and then intermediate is their own yeah. layout and stuff like that. Um, I know on the pro side, People never like when they're playing the same as like intermediate and rec on a shorter course because an intermediate player is going to get hot and he's going to be in the top five of pros and the ratings are going to suck because of it. And yeah. it's nothing. It's no one's fault. The intermediate player just went off and the pros just get screwed. Yeah. Um, so players, that's how and intermediate players like when that happens because their ratings are higher than normal, but pros ratings are lower than normal. But that's just how propagators all work. Yeah. Um, someone... I was apologizing about the Randolph College course. I don't know if maybe <laughs> his is the comment that we used. Yeah, he said rough. he should have warned you of the tee pads and all this stuff. But he said you guys should do a video with Paul and Brody when we're in town, when they're in town. Guess what? We'll uh, we'll talk we about did. that to the end, um, because that was sick. Uh, but so yeah, uh, I want to. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. based on the average. So anyways, based on this average for the last ten years, um, the the highest rated player has jumped. I believe it was a point and a half or 1.8 points every year. So based on that, we will see a 1070 rated player around 25, 2025 to 2027. Do you think this is accurate? Ah, geez. No. Well, okay. So <laughs> people can be getting better, right? Yeah. But like 1070 golf, average golf yeah. is redonkulous. Okay. But if we go back three years ago, which we're talking five years. So let's go back five years, 2015. If we were to say in 2015, someone's going to be averaged 1060. Right. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's still ridiculous. It Heck, was back then. It is last now. year, we did a podcast saying, we asked Paul, when will someone be rated 1060 and who yeah. will it be? He said, me, end of this year. And we were like, yeah. <laughs> good one. And yeah. now here we are. And it's happened. Um, yeah. But by 25 to 20, like 2026. Do you that's, think that's too long? That's soon. Like, that's Five shocking. Years. But that's only 10 points. He did that last year. But But it's also the next 10 points like right now well, see, last is, year was the next 10 points this is again where i think all of this is kind of proving my like on the inside i feel like i'm proving what i thought with the rating system has to be flawed for this to be true for someone to average 1070 golf because well even if we look at if we look at this last year if we were saying averaging 1060 yeah two years ago if you averaged 1060 you you won a tournament now you have to average 1070 1080 almost sometimes right to win a tournament yeah and that's just ridiculous that's insane that's you know, if we go back years and years ago, I'm sure that was the highest rated round ever. And now you have to average that to win a tournament. Yeah. That's saying that if, if the system keeps up, eventually you're going to have a average rated player and you're going to have to average 1130 yeah. to win tournaments. And that's exactly. the highest rated round ever right now. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. So to me, like the rating system has to be at least somewhat flawed simply because it's not based on the course. Like why? Yeah. I know it'd be nearly impossible at this point with how many disc golf courses and stuff. But from the beginning, why was it not based on the course, the difficulty of the course? 
and the, the like strokes and whatever maybe you once a propagator or two plays it and you determine what a thousand rated round is that's set and it kind of fluctuates here or there but it's set on the course not yeah. on the players playing that course because that just doesn't make sense anyways um someone also asked well actually the same person that uh apologize about randolph wants to know if you can have a job with foundation we um, don't have any spots we don't have any no not right now sorry we've got two workers and it's called hunter and zach uh, okay, go ahead. <laughs> so the final question that I have written down, and we'll we'll jump back to the comments some um, if there's anything else. Um, so who do you think will be the highest rated player at the end of this year, and what will their rating be? I don't know. Because, well, this is harder now because we don't know if Paul's going to be... We don't know yet. Yeah, we don't know how much, how when, much, where. When, where. Mm, we kind of do, but we can't say anything. Yeah. Um, so that's like harder to answer that question. I, I literally have no clue because he is what not nine points above currently 11 11 point the next highest rated is 1049 like he would have to really suck this year to not okay. be the highest rated player but from what from what I from what I at least thought and I'm, I must have been wrong because it would have already happened I thought that Paul had said he was going to hit 1060 and then dropped like 1058 or 1055 he, but he that never he did but he that never he was going to yeah but that never happened because yeah. that would have happened by now yeah so never mind. What I was about to say is inclusive. So so eleven points. He would have to really suck. Well, but also if someone else jumps him to get to ten sixty or whatever, they're gonna have to make up eleven points. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, it. Okay. It's gonna be Paul. I I don't know how ten sixty five. That's my guess. <laughs> you think he's going up? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't think he's going down. See, to me, okay. I think it's still gonna be Paul, but I think it's gonna be. 1050 i'm gonna go 10.56 and so then the rating system's not flawed then no it is uh i still think that but the reason i think that it's going to be like that is he's coming off of a month with not playing uh you know let's say that he is able to play come memorial um which you know fingers crossed that he is let's say he's able to play come memorial and um wintertime open and he plays those that's a month without practice even if he has a few weeks so coming out the gates his rating's gonna have to drop so he might actually be starting the year you know, closer to the, the 1055 mark. Okay. Um, and then he's going to have to build his way back up. Um, and, you know, we don't know, you know, that this ankle thing really has been a big question mark ever since USDGC because well, yeah. we, we, now there is a diagnosis of sorts, but the treatment was put this boot on and rest for a month. Um, so yeah, I mean, it could heal with rest, but you would think that it would have already healed with rest. I mean, I know he didn't really rest it, rest it, but yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Um Yeah. So I think there's a lot of question marks as to when he does come back. Like, you know, when is he coming back? When he does come back, how long can he be back for? Is this going to be a recurring injury? Is this something that even though it doesn't require surgery now, could it require surgery middle of the year, end of next year? Yeah. Uh there's a lot of question marks around it. I still I think Paul will end the year being the highest rated simply because I don't see his rating dropping far enough. So how far do you think it'll drop? 1057. I, I, oh, okay, how about I, okay, I think it'll drop to uh, 1055. Well, oh, wait, so you think he's going to end 1057? I think he's going to end the year 1057. So then the you don't think player. that Eagle will pull up from 1049 to 1057? No. That's no. a lot. That's a big jump. Yeah. I mean, Paul did it this year, but Paul went on an absolute. Paul, yeah. Tan like, he finished the year on, like, insane. The only tournament that was bad didn't count towards his rating, which yeah. was USDGC when his ankle was killing him. Yeah. Um, I, I think Eagle will, will finish in the 1050s, as will Rick. Well, Rick is a big question mark, too, because we don't know how strong he's going to be back once he starts playing. We haven't will, really seen much 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, we know he's he's going to be playing, but that's about all we know. Um, yeah. Someone's, uh, Bart said, should I, if I care about my rating, should I only play open weekend on tiers, on eight tiers and up? Okay. So, um, there's this local pro. I don't think you'll mind me because this didn't really come from him, but, uh, Matt Hammerston, uh, he's a thousand some rated and I was playing with him and I was talking to him about like how he got the thousand rated or just picking his brain. This is before we even had the podcast or anything. I was just, he's a super cool dude. Super nice. I wanted to ask him some questions. And he said he was talking to, I forget who he said he was. He was talking to someone and was like, I really want to be a thousand rated. You know, I'm playing every tournament I can. What should I do? And he said, the guy told him, stop playing every tournament you can pick the like higher tier tournaments that you're really going to enjoy playing and you're confident in and play only those. And he said he did that by the end of the year. He was like 10 Oh five rated. Wow. Yeah. So I think, I mean, if if you're you're very serious and you want your rating to go up, I think that's your answer. Stop playing all the local C tiers that you can. Now, if you want to just have fun and become better at disc golf, play the local C tiers, play as much tournaments as you can. But if you want your rating to show you're better, play higher tier tournaments, play in the toughest field you can and only pick tournaments that you're, you feel confident about. So if, if I took this advice, I would only play a B tiers on more open courses. Because wooded golf gets to me, and yeah. especially in a tournament, and ball golf courses that are like hybrid, that's my stuff. I love that. And so that's what I would pick. And I, I guarantee you, I'm not like saying this like cocky at all. Like I, just I know my game. I would be like a 980 plus rated player if I only played those tournaments. Put me in the woods, I'm probably 950, and that's why I average right at 960 because yeah. that's how golf is. Yeah. But if you're really serious about only your rating, that's all you care about. Pick the side of the golf that you know you're good at. Play only top higher level tier tournaments in that area sounds good and last questions before we uh talk about some of the sickest stuff we've ever done um (laughs) if this is my first tournament since joining the pdga can i even play above recreational yeah you can play open if you want Yeah, you can play anything you want um yeah uh what i would recommend um if you haven't already signed up for it Play within your local club. Find your local club, first of all. Play within them and ask the better players what division you should be playing in. So, like, ask the topper, the upper tag holders or whatever what division they think that you are uh, skill level-wise. They'll be very honest with you, and they'll also be able to tell you how to get to the higher levels. Um, they might tell you you're already in open, but that'd be great. But the, the worst thing, um, and I always feel bad for people, is, like, they play their first tournament. They're actually an advanced-level player. They play rec because they think... I need to play my first tournament. They blow the field away, and then everyone in Rex all ticked at them, treats them bad, and they never play another tournament. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you're a bagger. You're like, it's my first tournament. I, I did, played I Rex. I did that. Like, I mean, it wasn't Rex. I played Intermediate, um, my first ever disc golf tournament. Yeah. I won the tournament by H-Stroke shot, 960 rated golf. Yeah, and, and I guarantee you everyone was everyone like. Everyone was pissed. Yeah. And I was like, I've never, I've thrown a disc for like two months. Yeah. So like, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I get someone who's like playing at like the top level of advance or like could be consistently, yeah. and then they drop down. But when it's your first tournament, yeah, play whatever you want. Uh, but you know, if you're asking for advice and you want to know, then um, I would say play with some better players and ask them what division you should be in. Yeah. All right. So All right. on to some foundation news. I'll take the first few stuff and I'll let Zach do the the cooler thing. Um, so foundation news: we have Proto Fiercest still in stock, as well as some of the five time stamps. Those are sick. I'm gonna skip that one. I almost read it, but that's yours. Uh, and also Ledgestone discs and our new stamp should both be arriving soon our new stamp should be arriving within the next week and i think the ledgestone discs hopefully will be around that same time frame i know it's supposed to be be paid yeah no okay um it's supposed to be like early february though i I think the wave one discs are but also um, we just ordered griplock mugs today 
guys. Finally. Grip lock bugs. Yeah, we're, we're probably more excited than you are. But Oh, yeah. Well, because I'm using this right now, and I, I want a mug. Yeah, um, they're sick. They're black with the white grip lock logo on them uh, on both sides, too, because I oh, wanted to make sure sides? that the camera could see it, whether we drink it left or right-handed. There you go. That's I had smart. to pay like a little bit extra, but because of like that thing that was happening where i couldn't get the yeah. right billing address you got 10 percent off yeah i just waited long enough and yeah. it was like so yeah i was i just waited long enough and it finally popped up and it's like don't leave us uh yeah. get 10 percent off i was like well sick yeah there we good go. thing my cart didn't go yeah. through <laughs> good thing it didn't work the first time <laughs> all right listen to this folks listen to this listen to this now i will okay forewarning i don't think we can like reveal all the ins and out details we oh can't say anything you, we can say what we did but not what we did if that makes sense bruh the like wide so I can't scope say what what we played. I no, I wouldn't just because I don't uh, want to ruin okay. or any of that. Okay, you want a mug? Well, we have a very limited amount. I'm assuming we're gonna keep like a few for us, probably just the two. Yeah, and then we're gonna probably have like ten for sale, and then if those sell, we'll get more. But we we just didn't buy we a didn't lot because really, we didn't. We know. bought the bare minimum, which we, was it was really 12. for us. But yeah, we we wanted them to be able to drink from. <laughs> and we said if nothing else, we can do giveaways yeah. or. We'll throw them up on the website and see if they sell. Yeah. But, okay. okay, so um, someone, a few people have been saying you should do a video of Brody Smith and Paul. And okay, so the other day we, um, you know, we were talking to Paul and he said, "Hey, come down to the field. Um, we're going to be doing some trick shot videos um, with Brody, and you know, we just need some help uh, doing cameras, clearing discs, stuff like that." And we're like, "Sure, I'll pick your discs up. I haven't met Brody ever, um, and I just want to meet him." Yeah. And, you know, after we did that for a while, I'm sure you guys saw their um, short Instagram trick shots. Trick shots. Um, and I'm sure you could probably tell because Brody said, like, in one of his things, Paul said, oh, is this how, what do you, how do you want me to do it? And Brody's like, hey, it doesn't matter. Just get in the basket. That, those take a long time. Yeah. Okay. Those two, those two shots, you guys saw one and one, two and a half hours. Yeah, they were dirty, though. They were sick, but two and a half hours. I was upset because, okay, the, the long time. The one on Brody, we couldn't use my camera angle. Yeah, what happened? Uh, there was like Brody's very particular about like yeah. how many like discs and stuff are in frame, and the frame oh, looks I really they good. In frame. They were from my angle. They weren't from his angle, so his angle looked pristine, perfect. Uh, but which like, ones were in frame? The ones right in the basket, like everyone oh. that he was hitting cage with. Which okay, when he got dialed in. Oh, he was nailing cage every time. He was <laughs> hit, hitting the cage or hitting like right next to it every time. But they were all in frame. I don't think I it's like. Know. I don't think it's uh, like he wants it to look first try. I think he's just so particular about nothing being distracting yeah. on the shot. And I guess that was kind of distracting when it yeah. turned. Um, well, so, that sucks. I didn't but, know. but but Paul's anyway. we'd cleaned. And so Paul's the yeah. second one. We got to use my my second angle. So yeah. All right. Cool. So and then um, I guess I won't say what we did. Um, but we, uh, say we got to play disc golf. Yeah. Not at a course. Yeah. Well, okay. we get, that's what we'll say. It All there. Right. We got we got to play disc golf. Not at a course. Um, with Brody and Paul and Hannah, yeah, and that was it. That was it. Um, and basically, we are going to be on his channel um, playing, which we didn't think we were going to be in a video. And we said, you know, at the end of it, thank God we brought our bags, yeah, because <laughs> then we wouldn't have been able to play in his uh, video. But basically, he was just like, "Hey, you guys want to play? Like, we need, you know, we want people in the video." So you're like, uh, "Yeah," like you don't really even have to ask because yeah, that was. <laughs> literally i got i got home and i was like my wife was so annoyed with me because i was it took forever well because we were there from 11 to 4 or no that's five. not why she was annoyed with me. Oh, well, she was annoyed with me because i couldn't stop talking about it oh yeah well okay i, I was see that juiced too. oh I was yeah. so pumped yeah in the car i got in the car after we were done shooting and i looked at him and i was like like we literally <laughs> just did it it was one of those things that like you, you couldn't like freak out because you're yeah. 
with Brody and Paul. You're yeah. just like, Whew. yep. You know, stay chill. And then we got in the car. I was like, holy frick, dude, did that just happen? Yeah. <laughs> and you know, ever since we started this whole YouTube thing, my dream has been to be like in a viral video or something that's gonna get like 500 plus thousand views. And I think, I think we just did it. It could be it. It could be. I don't know how his, much his, his channel's huge. It's gonna have a big pull because of everyone that's in it right the plus the the premise of the video and it's dope what happens in the video dope because uh, i played we played lights out yeah it was it was as good as i i think i had some of the best shots i've ever had same same 100 percent. So you've got to watch it when it comes out whenever that state sick, is sick video yeah i don't know how long it's gonna take him to edit or anything like that but, but we were on his freaking channel like we're gonna be in his video yeah like i said it's been a dream to be like in one of those kind of videos and i feel like we might have just done it um insane yeah and he said yeah you know dude I'll, i'm gonna put all the your instagram and your stuff in the bio and Heck, even like, if that doesn't dude, happen like <laughs> yeah even if it doesn't we, we were wearing foundation gear everything that yeah, i was i told zach in the car i was like Woo! even if this video like never gets posted the fact that we just got to do that oh yeah it, it was amazing one of the coolest experiences of my life me too like my, my top top i yeah. told lizzie that and she's like that's sad i'm like no you just no, don't get it no yeah you don't get it yeah because if she was in a um, i'm sorry if you're listening if you were in like a makeup video that's with, what i told her oh, i was like if yeah. you were in a makeup video with tati you wouldn't freak out yeah and she's like no I'm yeah, like okay. Oh, okay get out of come here come on yeah. yeah no it, it was it was it was awesome exhilarating <laughs> it was awesome i'm still pumped just thinking yeah, about it yeah it was so cool and the dude's really nice um oh, yeah and everybody stop stopped messaging us telling us that he doesn't deserve to be sponsored hold on i gotta read this conversation i won't say the guy's name but i'm gonna read it i'm just gonna okay i've heard i had heard before i met him a lot of like not from like anyone specific but just like on on youtube on different channels i like heard that people thought he was a jerk people thought this and that no way and so i didn't know what to expect when i met him i was like okay like you know from his youtube channel i know this dude's gonna be like high energy pumped up he was a thing which he was that's fair but not in a bad way no and he was like super genuine super nice uh treated us like he knew us he for a long time yeah. like it was it was way more chill and relaxed and like friendly than i expected going into it um and i can now like confidently say i'm extremely glad this guy's in disc golf he's yeah, the, exactly the type of player that we the type of person sorry that we need to kind of take us to the next level both fame wise and the type of person you want representing the sport yeah all right, I'm going to read you a conversation that I had with somebody through the Foundation Instagram. If this is you, I apologize. I won't say your name. But this is exact kind of people that I was talking about last week when I said stop complaining. All right. I posted a picture of the Brody Smith starter set, and I said, loving this partnership already. His response was, LOL, not me. He really needs to prove to me, prove to him. We need to prove to this one guy that he deserves it. Don't get me wrong. I love the dude, but even I could beat him on the course. I said, just because you can beat him doesn't mean he doesn't deserve this. He's introducing the sport to new people at an unprecedented level. More followers than the top 10 combined, more subscribers than all combined. The sport means more than a score or rating. Basically went on from there. But he did say, now this one got me. Um, I do understand that, and I love it too. But some real disc golfers need some love. Not me. I'm nowhere close to competing with the pros. But let some love be shown shown to some up-and-comers. Listen, buddy, this ain't no Bernie Sanders kind of thing. Not everybody, you know, needs to be sponsored. Okay. This dude's got more followers than anybody in disc golf ever will have. The dude deserves to be sponsored yeah. by that alone. Yeah. When it, I mean, everyone's when, just got to take your blinders off. This is bigger than you. It's bigger than a rating. 
It's bigger than his. It's bigger than you think. Yeah, really. I mean, this, that's all I got to say. Yeah, uh, to me, it. I think that this is the because we've seen social media teams before, and we we've seen. Actual I'm like disc I'm like golf shaking players. because it gets me. Like <laughs> it doesn't get me that juiced. Uh, that's why that's why we're both here. Okay, I can provide like a more calm voice to this. So like I I fully understand it. Someone just asked, is Brody as good as he is hyped up to be? Um, yes and no. He is a lot better than you you would expect. Mm-hmm. Um. But I don't think if you put him on a course right now, he'd be a thousand rated. No, I don't think um, so either. But that's fine because that's not what he's supposed to do right now. No, but I was uh, there was you know as a new player, I was very impressed, yeah, and yeah, at times in general, I was very impressed. Yeah, um, his putting was great. Yep, uh, his accuracy yeah. was very very good. He just didn't he didn't have the consistency that will come with yeah. time playing. Right, and I think that's why he's here right now a week with Paul to, to kind of work on what do I need to do to get that consistency. Exactly. But um, I think this is the first time that we've seen, you know, we've seen the social media teams like the end of a rock stars and stuff like that. We've seen, um, and we've seen players on teams like Paul and stuff like that, that were sponsored before social media was a thing and where it, you just had to be good. It didn't matter what your social media was. Um, this goes back to our topic from last week. Yeah, this is exactly what we talked about last week, but this is the first time I think we've seen someone's social media following be, so big that the value they bring to the game is just as much, if not more, than if they were a top-level player. And, and so in this case, he could come out and be an 820-rated player, and it wouldn't matter because it's a business. Oh, the, yeah. These, like, I think that's what people are forgetting at the end of the day is a disc manufacturer is a business. Their end goal is to move their product. If he can sell these this Brody Smith starter set to 2% of his 2.5 million YouTube subscribers... He just made more money than any of his top five pros did this last yeah, year. But, and it's that's the like, thing is it doesn't, it? at the end of the day, to the disc golf company, it doesn't matter if he's 820 or 900 or 1050 rated yeah. because what's going to move is the stuff that doesn't matter how he plays on the course. It's yeah. his following. Um, to the up and comers, you know, I get that. They're trying to make it on tour. Tour life is tough, nearly yeah. impossible when you're just starting out. We've Even talked for about this. just low level tour, touring pros that have been there. Yeah, like it, it's a grind. Yeah. Um, I do not understand how players do it and mad respect to them for doing that. And I yeah. fully get where people would be upset that why is money going to a player like him over a player that's trying to make it on tour? At the end of the day, though, it is, you know, how much are these players that are trying to make it on tour? How much are they bringing into Discraft? How much are they bringing into Innova? How much to Prodigy? How much can they actually attribute? We give this player X amount a year. They bring in three times that. That's worth it. Let's yeah. get, let's bump it up. That's not happening. Um. And how do they make that happen? You know, obviously, there's a lot of players running clinics. There's a lot of players doing a lot of good. But I think if you're not huge on the social media side, you have to be very, very good. And that's the state we're in. This is what we talked about last year. Last and week. Last, wow, last week. <laughs> and the players that are a mix of both are the players that are going to get more money. And sometimes, yeah. in this case, it is better to be bigger on social media than it is to be a good player because that is going to bring a better return. Right. Um, Jeff just brought up a huge point. Um, why does no one care that Anova sponsored Andrew Zimmerman? He's a celebrity with little disc golf talent at the time of his sponsorship, but it's all about publicity and where people can grow the sp- uh, yeah. where people can grow the support. It's so true. Yeah, I think I think all all it is really is media. The 100%. media coverage of Andrew Zimmerman was next to nothing versus e- like yeah. the coverage of Brody Smith, right. and so people are just blowing up about it more. Yeah. Um, again, I will say it. I think people in the disc golf community will be genuinely surprised at how professional Brody is going to carry himself, is oh, currently yeah. carrying himself, and the level of quality content and stuff that he's going to do 
to grow the sport and push the sport. Um, I think there's some great things coming that yeah. we probably can't even really think of. Right. Um, and I think that he's the exact player that the sport needs, and he definitely deserves every bit, if not more, of the sponsorship that he got. Yeah. So exactly there it is i agree and i will continue to be hyped up about it until people can calm down sick all right well that is going to wrap it up for this week's episode uh we actually didn't go that much longer than normal uh we did i guess we would normally 30 minutes what you're talking about it's fine it's fine (laughs) people like it um so uh the patreon q a we will start we'll say 10 15 uh is when we'll jump over to that uh we really appreciate all the Patreon support, as well as all of you who watched it live with us and are listening to it on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you find your podcasts. And I'm after pretty this. sure we're going to be starting to drop weekly short videos. Yeah, over there. for our Patreons, we're we're going to soon start a weekly like quick tip series, um, one a week over on Patreon, just because we want to give our Patreons a little bit more. Um, because what I realized was when there's not a drop that they get early access to, yeah. or there's not a discount code going on just for the Patreons. They really only get the like weekly Q&A. And I'm like, I felt bad about that. Yeah. Um, so we're going to be providing you also with weekly quick tips uh, that can, you know, we'll discuss it with the Patreons and, and figure out yeah. what they want to see, what they want to work on and yeah, exactly. go from there. But awesome. We're excited to bring more value to them as much as possible. And thanks, Jeff, for uh, being in your first Jeff's uh, Corner. corner. Um, you know, if you guys are just joining now, we did have Jeff Corns on before. He's got his own um segment now he will weekly maybe some weeks he won't be if he's on tour or whatever or when he's in the van if they have some people that they want to bring on fine with us yeah um but we will see you guys over in the um q a for patreon i don't know why i forgot the name (laughs) but we'll see you guys next week yeah awesome thanks again for uh joining